born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. We've been going through the book of Acts, and there's a lot of things to learn. So um, take your Bible and turn to Acts and chapter 6. Today we're talking about two groups of people, two main groups of people. One is the deacons, and the other one is the preacher. I guess you could throw a third group in there. That's the people that come to the church. So here in the book of Acts in chapter 6, they had their first, well, uh, the problems. The problems began to brew. And so um, they've been multiplying, reaching a lot of people. And they say sometimes that whenever the devil got kicked out of heaven, he landed in the church choir. Now, that's not always true. But sometimes he seems like he, he finds his way into the home or into the church somehow. Uh, like, I know the Lord is here because I brought him. Uh, the devil may be here because you might have brought him. I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, we do want to cover some things that will, I think, be very beneficial for us to know. Here in the book of Acts in chapter 6, look in verse 1. And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied... There arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. So there is a separation here of somebody that preaches the word and those that serve the tables. And so... I like those who serve the tables so that when I get through preaching the word, I can eat at the table. Maybe that's why I just love Thursday Sunday dinners. But no, notice what else he says. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. In other words, somebody else to help solve some of these other problems so that the preacher don't have to do all of this. Now, later on, when you get to the book of 1 Timothy in chapter 3, it gives you a lot more detail about the qualifications of the pastor and also of the, the deacons. But here is the first church and the first problem, and they need help. And so they divided it among those things that were spiritual aspects of it and the physical aspects of it. So even today in most churches... The pastor, the elders take care of the spiritual aspects of a church and the, the feeding of the Word of God and spiritual directions of the church. And, all. and then you have the deacons that take care of the physical things of the church and, and help serve in a lot of ways. 
A lot of things to be done. But notice what else he says in verse 4. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. So they chose some people, and seven of them, and says that these were good men, full of the Holy Spirit, faithful men. And so they looked out among them, and these are the ones they came up with. Verse 6, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. The word of God increased, the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. So it evidently was a, a good move. It was a good step. It was a good thing to do. But you know, sometimes you wonder, can we find seven good men? Now, that church that had just started, there could have been 100,000 people. I don't know how many people, but it says they had multiplied. One place, it was 3,000, and another place, over 5,000, and then it grew after that. Well, that church was on the move, and they only needed seven deacons. You would think it had needed 700 deacons. But it's the first time, and later on, there's a lot of different churches, and they were to appoint elders when Paul was starting the churches. But what I want you to see is there is a difference but what I want to show you this, I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah and chapter 3, way over there in the Old Testament, and look what God says that is to be part of this responsibility of the shepherd. You have the shepherd and you have the sheep. In the book of uh, Ephesians in chapter 6, it gives us an outline of the battle that we go through and the various uh, forms of um, defensive uh, mechanisms that we need to shield ourselves. But we also have the Word of God given to us by which we can attack. So there is an offense and a defense. So we need to defend ourselves, but we're also to be on the offense. And so if you only defend, you can never win. You're only defending yourself. So you have to be able to challenge the things of this world. And so God's man is supposed to be strong enough to do that. But what I want you to look at there in verse 15. In verse 15. And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall, and you are to underline this, fleece you. No, it says feed you, not fleece the flock. It says to feed the flock shall feed you and get what we're supposed to feed you with, knowledge and understanding. So we're supposed to teach the Word of God and help you to understand the Word of God because we are going to be held accountable for not making the Word of God clear and understandable. Now, today we have many preachers that preach a muddy message, a gospel that is not clear that people cannot really understand what God said. Now, God said that salvation, going to heaven, God said it's free. Did you know that there's some preachers that don't believe it's free? They believe that you have to pay a little bit. Most churches I preach, they just change in how much little bit it is. Some have a little bit, and some have a more of a bit, and then some have a whole lot of bits. They just have more and more things that is required. But God says... Your part is zero. We only believe that what Christ did on the cross was for us, and he saves us and gives us as a free gift everlasting life. 
So we have a responsibility, and this is what we're supposed to do. Otherwise, this is what you have. You see there in verse 13, only acknowledge thine iniquity that thou hast transgressed against the Lord. Look in verse 14. Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord. You see, when people don't clearly understand what the Word of God says, they do not fear God. They don't fear the chastening hand of God. They don't see what their rebellion is going to cost them because they don't understand. Right after I trusted Christ as my Savior, my father-in-law sat down and he taught me about the chastening hand of God. Scared me so bad I wanted to obey the Lord. Because he told me story after story of God chastening individuals. When I went to Florida Bible College when I was 22 years old, I listened to Dr. A. Ray Stanford. And he gave story after story after story of God chastening various individuals because they would not serve the Lord. You see, you shouldn't serve the Lord out of fear. There's only two motives, love and fear. And at the time, I didn't love the Lord enough, but I did fear him. And then I learned to love him more than I feared him. Because the more I loved him, I didn't have to worry about it. That's why I tell people, love the Lord with all your heart, and you can live like you please. Because you want to please the Lord if you love him with all your heart. So we have this responsibility that God has given to us. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Mark chapter 14. Mark and chapter 14. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Hezekiah. Mark chapter 14 and look in verse 27. Verse 27. This is why it's so important for God's people to pray for the preacher and for the leaders in the church. But here in Mark chapter 14, if you look there in verse 27... And Jesus said unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. Did you know if the devil wants to destroy a church, he usually has to smite the shepherd. Now, what is unusual about Calvary Community Church is when when Dr. Hank Lindstrom passed away, they had some good men who came together And kept everything running smooth. Because you had some good shepherds. People who loved the ministry. Committed to the ministry. And they walked with God. And they were good godly men. That's not the same in all churches. But the devil will go after the preacher. If he can't get the preacher. He'll try to do it through the wife. He can't get the wife. He'll go after the kids. He can't get the kids. Go after anybody else. To closest friends. It doesn't matter. As long as the devil can bring you down. Smite the shepherd. And you can destroy church. So that's why you pray for the pastor. And I have three things that I want you to keep in mind. To pray for the preaching, the message that I preach. Do you pray concerning the messages that I'm going to preach? That God would help me to be wise and to preach the things that the people need. Do you do that or you just come to church? And whatever he feeds me, I will swallow. But do you pray? You're to pray for the preacher all the time. And also, do you pray for my protection, spiritually and physically? I know and believe that I'm alive only by the grace of God. But I believe that you ought to do that. I would appreciate it you doing that. I do not want you to take me for granted, because I could die at any time of anything. 
I really would like to live to a ripe old age, and 70 isn't it. <laughs> and also to pray for the purity of the pastor. Not just in the way you live or the things that you say, but the way that you think. Purity in thought. I want to be a good pastor. Now, there is a difference between just being a preacher and being a pastor. A lot of people, all they want is just a preacher, just somebody to get up there and just preach the message, but leave you alone. Don't bother you. Now, I've done a lot of preaching around the country, and the thing about being a preacher as you travel and do evangelistic work, you can get up there, holler, rant, and rave, and yell, and scream, and all the rest of it, and don't matter what trouble you cause, why? Because you're leaving anyway. The preacher's got to deal with that. You make everybody mad. <laughs> you don't care. You're leaving. Just preach and go. But when you settle down and you take a church, it's not just about preaching a sermon. It's about being a pastor. You want to lead the people into still waters. You want to help restore their souls. You want them to be refreshed. You want to take and do all the things that's mentioned in the book of um, Psalms 23. You ever heard that one? Well, the Lord is my shepherd. Well, sometimes the pastor becomes the shepherd. And the shepherd has to feed and watch over a flock. That means that now, the longer I stay here, the more I get to know you, the more you get to know me. And some things you might like about me and things you may not like about me. You might think, I didn't know he was like that. That's okay. I didn't know you were like that either. <laughs> and so... There is a, a learning process, and as we go, see, I will learn more about what makes you tick. Why do you do what you do? I even find out after a while, I'll even know some of your personal problems. I'll know some of your physical problems. Pastor, you ought to see this stitch. i got to stitch your scars. <laughs> I'll know some of your aches and pains, and I'll know about your husband. I'll know about your wife. I'll know about your kids, and I'll know about your grandkids. And there might be things I'll find out about you. You don't want me to know about you. But see, being a good pastor means that I want to help you in all those areas. Not just to preach a message. But you're interested and you're concerned about the people. You want the best for the people. See, when you get to heaven, I want God to bless you. I really, really do. I don't want you to miss out on anything up there or down here. I want God to use you while you're here. I want you to have a good marriage. I want you to love your kids. I want your kids to love you. I want you to have a good ministry. I want all these things. So that's why I try to help you. And I become, at that point, a counselor. I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of 2 Thessalonians in chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And look there. Chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 4. How <laughs> I many found 2 Thessalonians chapter 4? Or look there in chapter 3 in verse 1. Verse 1. He says in verse 1, Finally, brethren, and you ought to underline these three words, pray for us. Pray for us. This is leadership requesting prayer. And pray for what? That the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you. So that's why we say pray for the pastor and his preaching. 
that the word of God will have free course. See, there is the devil and all of his power trying to limit what we say, limit the word of God. And see, sometimes it's difficult for people to realize, I don't read all my sermons. Sometimes I don't even use notes. But I do know that there's a possibility at times that you can't always remember at the time where you are and what's going on. But your mind can go blank at any given time. Did you know that Satan cannot read your mind? But he can interject thoughts into your mind. And it's why we're supposed to discern our thoughts. Think before we speak. And sometimes that's easy preaching and hard living. But I want you to realize that we do have that great responsibility to preach the Word of God with free course. It means not being intimidated by anybody. In other words, I do not want to be intimidated by anybody who comes to church. So I don't want to say that because that might hurt their feelings. I don't want to say this because that might offend them. I don't want to say that because if the Word of God does it, that's, that's great. Sometimes, sometimes, or maybe once every 30 years, I'm offensive. It's me. It's not the Word. I will say and do something in a certain way, or the, the way I deliver, or the way that I talk. Sometimes, like, I can go on the radio broadcast on Friday, and I can sit there and just talk to somebody. And it can be such a, you know, more soothing. And it's relaxing. And it's so... Or, sometimes I get excited because of what I'm talking about. So, I'm here, and I'm there, and everywhere in between. Because... I'm an emotional type of a guy. I get excited about things. I don't mean for any of that to ever offend anybody, but because I'm human. Is it possible that I do? Don't you say it to that. <laughs> Take your Bible, look in Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. And this is where the Apostle Paul makes a very interesting statement. And look in verse 26. We are to do these three things. Complete preaching, courageous preaching, and compassionate preaching. That sometimes shows a difference in our emotions of how we do what we do. But here in the book of Acts in chapter 20, look in verse 26. Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you, and you are to underline all the counsel of God. All the counsel of God. It means not just what the Word of God says, but what the Word of God means. When you're causing people to understand, it means that you're drawing from various sources trying to help people to see what God is saying. You're counseling people. Now, try to understand this. I could set up a schedule where I could counsel all of you once a week. But think about that for a minute. I'm going to counsel all of y'all once a week, individually. Do you have an idea that I probably won't get any sleep, I won't get to eat any meals, and I probably won't have time to take any baths? Because do you realize how much time that would take? But here's another way. If we come together on a Sunday morning... If I teach you the Word of God and help you to understand the Word of God, I am counseling you. Christ is 
the counselor. So Sunday morning in Sunday school, I'm counseling because everything I teach from this book is biblical, godly counseling that his children need. But now, is it going to help you if you're not there? Just think it through. If you're not there, will it help you? No, it's not going to help you because you're not there. You didn't get it. Church service on Sunday morning, even though I may have a different topic, you know, different titles, I'm still going to counsel. I am going to take the Word of God and try to help you to understand it because the Word of God is the power that changes your life. Did you know when it talks about in the book of um, Romans in chapter 1 and verse 16 about the, the word dynamos, it is the dynamite, the power of God. In the book of Corinthians, when it talks about it, it uses that same word, and it's talking about a language. The language, same thing. And the words are power. Language, understanding, is powerful. So when you study the Word of God, because it's truth, it's very powerful. And did you know that the knowledge of the Word of God will help you in your daily life? When sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Hide thy word in thy heart that he may not sin against the Lord. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The entrance of thy word giveth light. So as you study the word of God, you're getting power to live your life. Your life this coming year is going to be one dull, boring thing, and you're going to be up here and down here emotionally, and you'd be surprised how quickly your life can become a wreck. And you can become a nervous wreck, a bundle of nerves. And you're going to have to be popping pills to kind of calm you down or pick you up. And all you needed was some counseling from the Word of God. You say, well, it, I don't have time. If you don't have time to stay healthy, you're going to have to make time to get well. Don't that make sense? That was a good statement. You know where I got that? From John Kent. When I see something that's good, and I like it, I try to remember it. See, it ain't all gone. That's what I said. That's why I always make mental bets. That way I don't. If I lose, all I've done is lose my mind. So here in this verse, look what he says there in verse 27 again. Declaring to you all the counsel of God. When he says the counsel of God, means the word of God. I've taught you everything. From one end to the other, I'm teaching you all that I can. I cannot teach you everything in one hour on Sunday morning. I can't do it in the three major services that we do have. Did you know in the book of Acts, they met daily. Boy, did they need a lot of counseling, huh? And with all that knowledge and so forth, did they still have any problems? They still had problems. But you see, they said, let's settle this thing. We need some people that can take care of this job. And to take care of this job, it's going to take godly men. Yep, do you realize how doing those things can irritate you, make you bitter? Filled with hatred and jealousy. I'm doing more work than they are. Why don't they do their share? You'd be surprised how that if you're not a godly person, you're not going to perform. But if you're not godly, you can't take that pressure. The Lord's work is a pressure cooker. And buddy, does it turn up the heat. And it sure gets hot. 
And this is why not everybody is ready to serve the Lord. You ought to be, but a lot of people can't handle it. And that's why they don't take responsibilities. They just want to show up long enough just to high and by, but never accept responsibility because then you have to be faithful. Then you have to be committed to something. And most people are not committed. So when it comes to the Lord's work, we're supposed to do something about it. That's why you hear the Word of God. You study the Word of God. But the Word of God is so powerful. Look there in the book of Acts in chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, look in verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the Word of God with boldness. You should pray that the pastor that you have will preach the Word of God without apology, teaching it as clearly as possible, but don't take it for granted because, did you know, studying the Bible is a weariness of the flesh. But to study the Word of God is so important. I study all the time. I read all the time. I'm studying. I'm always looking for some other little jewel that I haven't talked about before, some little truth to bring it in a different way that I haven't done before. And it's, it's work. It's time spent. But I love the Word of God. But I know that I want to teach things, and sometimes I know, boy, this is, this is good. This is really going to help them. And then sometimes I say, well, where are they? It's like, preacher, we don't need that sermon. I'll see you next week. And they come and go whenever they want. They're not committed. The other thing was, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, look there. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, look in verse 24. Verse 24, talking about the servant of the Lord, because this is directed toward Timothy, a young pastor in the Lord. And it says in verse 24, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, and patient. You see, one of the biggest things that's, I guess you could say it's so difficult, is being patient with people who are now where you once were. Are you patient with the people who are now where you once were? This is what God's Word is talking about. But you have to be able to teach the Word of God. You may do a lot of things, but can you teach the Word of God? You see, some people will never get to be an elder because they will never study the Word of God. They'll never get to be a deacon because they, want to be, they don't want to teach the Word of God. But if that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be strong in the Lord. And sometimes I think, you no, know, I know a lot of people, boy, they would be really good, but the pastor can't depend on them. They're, they, they're not here to do the work. They, they won't be faithful. And so I can't, I can't never recommend that one. I can't recommend that one because they just won't. The good friends, but you, you've got to be committed. And a lot of people aren't committed. And so I guess that's fine with them, but it's just you're not ready yet. Just some people are not ready. They, they just won't commit themselves. It's just like when I decided I'm going to go to Bible college, I had to commit myself. Then I had to Make it happen. And so I had to quit a job in Shreveport, Louisiana, put my wife and kids in the car with everything we owned, had no job waiting on me. I had a total of $15 when I went to Bible school. Stayed in a rescue mission because I had committed myself. I'm going. I don't care what it costs. I'm going. When I went to Florida Bible College on my way from Tennessee, I had a total of, well, I, I ran out of money in Orlando. And my brother was in the Air Force. In Orlando. 
I borrowed some money from him just so I could make it down to Miami. That's how poor we were. I didn't have a credit card. I don't even know if they had them back then. I didn't have a bank account. I didn't have a job waiting on me. But I committed myself in spite of all the obstacles because I wanted more. You want more? It takes more discipline. And a lot of people don't want that because it's, it's work. That's why they call it the work of the Lord. Is it possible to trust Christ as my Savior without making Him Lord of my life? Is it true that if Christ is not Lord of all, He is not Lord at all? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or write by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.